Welcome to Christ Church. The following is a homily from our Sunday morning gathering in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Enjoy. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Good morning. It is wonderful to be with you today. Today we will be talking about why and how do I pray. Living in Tulsa, Oklahoma, praying is not an uncommon thing to encounter. Now, in my experience, there are two types of prayers that are usually used. One is thought out and specific, perhaps praying for someone who is ill. The other is a prayer of desperation. And I think we have all at one time or another in our lives used a prayer of desperation at one time or another. One instance is a schoolboy overheard emerging from a geography exam saying, oh God, please let Paris be the capital of Turkey. Now, when I was in seminary, I spent a lot of time with others in the community. And one of my favorite aspects of these times that we spent together was the time with the children. We had fantastic conversations and shared many, many laughs together. Now, most of these times were over a meal because that is a wonderful time for fellowship. Now, these meals began with a prayer because, after all, we were in a seminary community. One night, I was invited to the Freeman's house for dinner. Their family consisted of Ashley, Dad, Annie, Mom, the kids, Hootie, Ashton, and Mary Carmen, who goes by May May. Now remember those names for just a few moments from now. We had become very close friends and are very close friends to this day. We went for dinner, and for one reason or another, dinner took longer to cook that night. I don't remember the specific reason, but we got hungrier and hungrier as the evening went on. Finally, it was time to eat, and Mary Carmen, who was five at the time, got the honor of praying. And you know those prayer dice that you roll, and there is a prayer on it, and usually they are quick, short prayers. Remember, dinner took longer than it was supposed to. Mary Carmen, five years old, begins to pray. God, thank you for mommy and daddy and Hootie and Ashton and Yeti, the dog. She paused. We looked at her. And thank you for Mr. Justin and thank you for Miss Carmen and for Aiden. And she paused. We were getting hungrier and hungrier. And she said, and pray for Gigi. And then she went through a litany of friends from school. She just kept praying. Now, it's difficult to stop a child when they are literally in the moment praying. That's a beautiful thing. But she paused one last time, and Annie said, You may continue to pray. We are hungry. Amen. And we continued our evening. 
Well, first of all, what is Christian prayer? It is the most important activity of our lives. It is the very purpose for which we were actually made, to have a love relationship with God. And all love relationships thrive on communication. The more we communicate, the more we grow in love, the more our love flourishes. It is the very same with a relationship with God. In his letter to the Ephesians, the Apostle Paul put it this way. He said, through Jesus, we both, we both, that's Jews and Gentiles, the whole known world, have access to the Father by one spirit. So Christian prayer is to God as our Father. Think about the story of the prodigal son. No matter what the son has done to his father, their bond Their love is unbreakable. The father never wavers and in fact looks for his son every single day. I can't possibly believe that he only looked down the road for him that one time. A father desperate for his son to return to him. And this is a picture of what God is like, a loving father always looking for us to return to his open, outstretched arms. Now, many people in our society see God as a vengeful God, always out to get us. And frankly, it's tough to deny that we don't do much to stop this perception from being someone's reality. Because how do we, with our actions, portray God to the world. This is the way many atheists see God, is as a vengeful God. Now, I cannot and I do not believe in a God like that. This is the kind of God I believe in, a God that Jesus described as a loving, heavenly Father. Have you ever had a strained relationship with someone you care deeply about? It's a terribly painful experience to go through, and many of us have gone through that. A dear friend of mine has never had a relationship with his biological father. It is so bad that he simply refers to him as bio-dad. The lack of relationship was not on a lack of effort on my friend's part. He tried for years to sustain a relationship with his father, knowing what the likely outcome would be every time that he reached out. Then, years later, after his father left, his mom met his now stepdad. And immediately, immediately, he was given the chance and knew exactly where this love had come from. He was given a chance and given the opportunity to feel this goodness and this love for which God had given him the chance. He was given the love he so longed for, and now their relationship has blossomed into one of the deepest father-son relationships I have ever witnessed. God always knew what my friend needed. He needed the love of a father. And just as his dad has been faithful to him over the years, 
God has continued to bless their relationship. God in the Bible is described as both like a father and a mother. He just loves us. (laughs) Not just as a baby, but also growing up. There's a man named Alex Douglas. He said how he's got these amazing parents, but said that when he was growing up, when he was a teenager, he was actually very, very rude to them. Now, his mother had MS, and his father was such a kind, lovely man, but he was still very rude to them, and this is how he put it. He said, I was greedy, greedy as a child. I stole from my parents over a long period of time. And when he was 15, his parents found out, and there was a great big row, lots of shouting and screaming in the kitchen. And he said, I'd become the worst human being, and it all hit me. I ran upstairs, slammed the door, then piled all of my furniture against the door and sat by my bed. I remember hearing my dad coming upstairs and sit against the door. And I always remember these words he said to me. Alex, I don't know what you're thinking or what you're going through, but I need you to know that me and your mom love you. We try to provide for you. We give you everything we have. Is that not enough? And there was a silence that could have gone on forever. And then I heard my dad quietly say, Please, please, son, open the door. I really want to hug you right now. That's the loving father who wants to hug the son. And Alex said, I never experienced God like at that moment. I never understood the gospel more. That's God's love for you. And Jesus said, he's our father in heaven. He's the creator of the entire universe. You know, our sun is one of 300 billion stars in our galaxy. Our galaxy is one of 100 billion galaxies. And yet, in a throwaway line in the book of Genesis, the writer says, he made the stars also. Just like that, boom, the entire Cosmos was created. And in a way, the power of prayer depends on our grasp of who it is to whom we're praying. So it's to the Father through the Son. A couple weeks ago, we looked at how this is made possible through Jesus. We have access to God through Jesus. Also, we can pray to Jesus. He even said, I called you I have called you friends. And talking to Jesus in this friendly way can be incredibly comfortable. We have access to the Father through Jesus by one spirit, and that's the Holy Spirit. And it's an exciting thing to look at the Holy Spirit. We're looking last week at how Jesus knocks at the door of our lives. And if we open that door, he comes in by his spirit. That is God living within us, and God helps us to pray. And St. Paul even writes, we don't really know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit helps us. 
Spirit of God living within us helps in our weakness. So why pray? Well, all relationships are based on communication. As often we see, marriages break down by lack of communication, but with good communication they grow and flourish. And then the power of prayer. So the presence of God. Secondly, the peace of God. I don't know about you, but I personally struggle with fear, anxieties, and worries. And I don't think that I am alone. I recently heard of a mother that texted her grown daughter and said just this in the text, start worrying, details to follow. I might be mistaken, but that does not seem peaceful. Someone once wrote, worry is like a rocking chair. It gives you something to do, but it doesn't get you anywhere. And Corey Ten Boom said, worry doesn't empty tomorrow of its troubles, but it empties today of its strength. The peace of God, it's not about being in a place where there's no trouble or problems or hard work. It is about being in the middle of those things and still have a peace in your heart. It's like the deep ocean current when there are winds and waves on the surface, but there is stillness underneath. And then perspective. One of the things I find is when you start to thank God, when you start to say, oh Lord, thank you that something, my prayer is thank you that I'm alive. Thank you that I've got two feet and I can walk. Thank you for the sunshine. Thank you for the blessings. Thank you for my family. Thank you. And you start thinking and you suddenly realize, wow, there's so much to thank God for. And it puts your problems and worries in perspective. Nikki Gumbel states, when I first became a Christian, I heard about prayer and I thought, yeah, okay, I'll try it. So it's just a really trivial thing. I needed to get a lift to London. We were in Cambridge and I wanted to get a lift to London and there was a train strike. So I just prayed. I said, okay, God, I'd love a lift to London. Literally a few moments later, there was a knock at the door and this guy Peter said, hey, Nikki, would you like a lift to London? I thought, that's so weird. I've just prayed about that. So I thought, I'm going to try something else. I thought, I'll pray for my mother. I knew she had insomnia, and so I started praying. I didn't tell her, but for a week I prayed that God would give her sleep. And at the end of the week I said, eh, how are you sleeping? And she said, it's really strange. I've slept so well last week. I thought, wow, that's amazing. Have you ever had something like that happen in your life where the prayers are answered and it seems as if those answers just simply fall into your lap? My friends, there is a point at which coincidences stop being coincidences. But William Temple, the great Archbishop of Canterbury, said, when I pray, coincidences happen. When I don't, they don't. So, 
I guess the next question then is, does God always answer prayer? In a sense, yes, he always hears our prayers, but like a good parent, he doesn't always just say yes, because a loving parent won't say yes to every request that their child makes. Growing up, I played every single sport known to man. I even thought about trying ski jumping, and when my father and I saw a young man crash and it looked like a grenade exploded with his gear all over, I said, I think it's time to go. I was quite good at the majority of the sports I tried. However, my absolute favorite sport was hockey. And you may not think of it looking at me right now, but I was a really, really good hockey player. And my dream was to go to college and play hockey and to go try out and play in the Olympics. That's all I wanted. Things changed when my mom and I moved to Tulsa when I was in seventh grade. I couldn't play hockey anymore because this was Oklahoma. But I found out that there was a league that played at the Williams Center in downtown Tulsa. My mom picked me up after uh, hearing this news. I had all my gear on. I was ready to go. I was so excited to get back on the ice. My dream was, in fact, not dead. I could still carry out this dream. Then I got asked to play on a traveling team, and everything was great. And then one day during a game, I got hurt. I didn't just get hurt. I got broken vertebrae hurt. I broke my back on the ice. And as I laid there, From the middle of my chest down to my feet, there was nothing. There was no feeling. I was in shock, and an eerie calm came over me. And my only thought at that moment was, well, I can't do anything about this now. It was the longest 45 minutes of my life. Now... Obviously, you can tell. Eventually, I regained the feeling, and I have mostly healed, even though it has been many years, and I had to stop playing. And I was devastated, but you know what? I am grateful to this day that I did not go play college hockey because I never would have ended up where I am today. And that one single moment changed the entire course of my life. Now, sometimes, though, I think that we won't ever know the answer to a prayer in this lifetime. That is so hard. When I was getting ready for my cousin's wedding, I was able to spend the morning of the wedding with my grandmother, my Grammy. And... I was younger than my older sisters, and they got to spend time with her in the summer, and I was too young. And I got to spend this morning, we had breakfast and coffee, and we shared stories and laughs. She showed me pictures of my mom on my great-grandparents' farm I had never seen. It was one of the best days of my life. We shared so much that day. And as I got dressed to go to the wedding early with cousins to set up, As I got ready to leave, I turned, we shared a smile, and both said, I love you. 
Now, a couple hours later, she and her sister, my Aunt Maureen, were driving to the wedding. They exited the highway one exit too early, so they found somewhere that they needed to turn around and get back on the highway to get to the wedding. Unfortunately, they were on a hill and they didn't see another car coming. As they turned, they had a horrific head-on collision and my grandmother had a broken neck and was severely, severely injured. She was flown to a hospital where she was put on a ventilator in uh, intensive care. I had never seen someone in intensive care. And my mom warned me what this would be like. And it was devastating. But I held her hand and my mom said to her mom, Mom, Justin is here. And for the first time she reacted to anyone and squeezed my hand. Now, I prayed so hard for her to get well. It was the hardest I've ever prayed in my life. Her doctor said that she was tough and they had 25-year-olds who couldn't recover the way she had and couldn't fight the way she had. This is where my prayer became unanswered. She was 85 years old, completely healthy, and was in a car accident. She was tired. She fought for two months in the hospital and one day finally said, I'm ready to go. You can't argue with someone in that moment, but the pain is beyond anything that I'd ever imagined. And when she died, I was so angry at God. And if I'm honest, this many years later, I am still angry. Because why would God allow that to happen? But I will tell you that my faith and my belief in God is strong enough that I know that in God's time, God will tell me why. We cannot abandon our faith in those moments. Now, Corey Tenboom said this, and this just struck me so deep in my heart. When the train goes through a tunnel and it gets dark, you don't throw away the ticket and jump off. You sit still and trust the driver. So with prayer, there is yes, there is no, and there's just wait. If a child asks to drive a car, you'd probably say no, but it doesn't mean no forever because there'll come a time when that request will be answered. Just because it's not happening for you right now doesn't mean it won't happen because God's timing is perfect. So how do we pray? Like all relationships, there are no rules. You are totally free to talk to God in any single way you want. Sometimes it is easy, sometimes it is not. There are three ways you can approach prayer. Thank you, sorry, and please. And in doing this, I believe that you will impart on yourself an attitude of gratitude. There's so much to thank God for. And recently I came across this prayer. I'd seen it before, but it's been a long time. So far today, God, I've done all right. I haven't gossiped, haven't lost my temper, haven't been greedy, grumpy, nasty, selfish, or overindulgent, and I'm really glad about that. But in a few minutes, God, I'm going to get out of bed, and from then on, I'm probably going to need a lot more help. 
It's funny because it's true. Right? Now, you could pray anywhere you want. You can pray anytime. But sometimes it can be intimidating. Right? God talks about going into your room and praying on your own with the door shut so that in secret God will see what you're doing and you will be blessed. Now, how many of you, when you go out to a restaurant, pray before you eat your dinner? I mean, pray like you mean it. Like, hold hands and really pray. That can be intimidating. Have you ever seen the looks you get from the people around you? As a long-time waiter, I had to train people to not interrupt someone when they were praying because they didn't know what to do. It's crazy how that can happen. They'll look at you like you have three heads. But guess what? You're not alone if you're afraid in that because people are worried about what, it's, what people are going to look like when they pray. But it's a wonderful thing to do because when two or three are gathered together in his name, God will be there. So some simple things to remember. Keep it simple. Be honest. and Be open to God. Because after all, that's what it's about. This is an interesting fact here. I read this, that the Lord's Prayer, which is the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray, is 57 words long. The European Union report on the regulation on the sale of cabbage is 26,901 words. Millions of people pray the Lord's Prayer every day. Who has time to read the report on cabbage? And then keep it up. Don't stop praying. Never stop praying. Now, we experience different things with prayer. And some of you may have heard me say this before, but I don't really hear God's voice when I pray. I have so many friends that experience that on a regular basis, and it makes me think, what am I doing wrong that they're doing right, that God talks to them? I want to talk to God. Wouldn't that make sense to think that? That I'm doing something wrong, that God's not talking to me. Now, not long ago, I had a bit of a revelation I don't hear God speaking to me when I pray. It's just different than that. Now, I especially hear God when I'm singing church music. Oftentimes, I am transported to a different realm while listening to choir singing. This prayer for me, this meditation for me, brings me closer to God than any other way of praying. However, that's my story. You have to find the kind of prayer that works for you and God. It may look similar to someone else's prayer, or it may be completely and utterly different. And my friends, don't be afraid at failing at prayer. It'll be a period of trial and error to find new ways to get more fulfillment. Be willing to just fall at God's feet. And either way, you will find your way through a steadfast faith in God. Well, that's all you need to know about praying. Okay, that's not exactly true, 
Look, I'm not very good at it. You know, I'm no expert. I don't think my prayers are that great. But what I've found is that over the years, I've seen people healed, relationships restored, and I've seen people set free from addictions. It's had a profound effect on my life. And if I have one piece of advice about your prayer life, it's just get out of your own way and let God do what God does best. And prayer really is the most important activity of our lives, and it works. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more, go to ChristChurchTulsa.org. And peace be with you.